0: Today, we're going to be talking about our health IT predictions for 2024, and be sure to follow the show on social media at the hashtag HITSM, and our personal accounts at TechGuy and at Colin underscore Hung. Plus, check out our 17 years of health IT blog content at healthcareittoday.com. So I think we nailed all of last year's predictions.
1: Yeah, we were 100% (laughs) accurate, right? Like, yeah, no, we weren't. (laughs) But I can't believe we're already at this time. Like, it's just this year has gone and just flown by.
0: Yeah, well, what's interesting is we used to get, like, a break during summer, and we, <laughs> we used to have some other breaks. You know, I think we will get one, hopefully, in the holidays this year. Uh, but this year, it didn't happen. I think, you know, the, the schedule of conferences got thrown off. It, it's been an interesting year, and there's a bit of tepidness in the, in the environment. Uncertainty, I think, is where we're at.
1: Yeah, I could totally agree. This, this year was the one of the years where there just wasn't a break. Everything was just happening back to back to back. But uh, yeah, Like maybe before we start, um, just a quick review of what we predicted last year. Do you remember any of your predictions from last year, Sean?
0: I mean, I'm pretty sure we were going to predict, I think I predicted AI because we only excluded workforce right. and, uh, and, uh, you know, and some of those things. But we didn't exclude AI, which is really fascinating because this year we're excluding AI. <laughs> yeah,
1: because that was the only thing we wanted to talk about this year. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so I, I think that was that was my big one. And, and I think it's come to fruition, right? AI has just exploded and well beyond. I mean, so my prediction was probably AI, but it's went so much further than even I had predicted.
1: <laughs> one of the, I, I think I remember predicting that uh, we were going to see a lot of mergers and acquisitions. And uh, we certainly saw our share of mergers and acquisitions, but none on the scale that I had thought. Because, of course, last year we were talking about Oracle and Cerner, and I thought, oh, that's going to spell a wave of this type of mega-sized uh, acquisitions. I mean... It really didn't happen this year. There were some smaller ones, but nothing on that scale.
0: Yeah, and I would say the ones that did happen were like the next-gen acquisition by Tama Bravo, which is more private equity acquisition, right. as opposed to like two massive EHR vendors being acquired and merging together or something like that. But yeah, we didn't really see that kind of merger of two companies as more private equity.
1: So let's get to the predictions. In 2024, John, what is going to be the biggest topic next year?
0: All right. So we said we're going to exclude workforce and exclude because AI. Burnout.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> I, we we all predict that more burnout with AI. Exactly. <laughs> Hopefully, helping that burnout. You know, when I look at it and I think, okay, what topics are kind of coming to the forefront you know I debated maybe some consumerism type stuff because so many retail organizations are going in there you know interoperability has done some interesting things and has made some progress you know QHINs are going to come into full force but I actually think the biggest topic of 2024 is going to be around regulation Mm. I think the regulations have come and they're finally putting some teeth into them, you know. Whether it's information blocking, which now has uh, disincentives, as we covered in a previous episode, right? Or or whether it's uh, you know CMS applying different reimbursement mechanisms. I heard about one today, you know, where SDOH has to be included in your intake at an acute care facility. And why? How are they going to get them to do that? Well, you get a penalty if you don't. And so I, I think that's an interesting one. So I you know I'm looking at regulation. To be the hottest topic of 2024.
1: Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. I, I think you know the big topic we're going to be talking about uh, in 2024 is definitely the, the HIPAA regulations, the new guidance that's come up from the and all the lawsuits that are now flying back and forth. I think that is going to have ripple effects, not just for right now the marketing teams, but all the teams. Anybody really in, engaged in patient engagement, anybody that's uh, dealing with patients through an electronic means. I just think it's there's a lot of realization now where there's a lot of things happening behind the scenes that maybe people weren't aware of that now we need to be. So I think the HIPAA guidance, I also agree with you in terms of the disincentives, or sorry, uh, for uh, information blocking. I think, yeah, 2024 is going to be the year of regulation and policy.
0: Yeah, and we'll see what happens with AI regulation. Yeah, you know, someone posted. I think it was on Twitter. I saw a tweet that said something like, "So wait, we're going to regulate a technology? When has that ever happened? Like, did we regulate, <laughs> you know, SQL or, did, you know, because that's how you know, like? We didn't do that. That doesn't make sense. So, and, and there's a fair point to be made. Do we want government regulating something where they can't keep up, and it's just going to have damaging effects? So, but I think there's so much momentum. Around it, that they are going to do something. We'll see how far-reaching it is.
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, the other topic I think that we will be talking about, uh, not because we're going to make a lot of progress, but I think there's going to be a lot of noise, is around uh, patient uh, engagement and patient uh, uh, patient uh, experience. And the reason why I say that is because we, we we're, we're going to continue to see more entrants from retail health more expansion we just had the announcement of what's happening with prime members right and access to to care now through through prime so easily I think that's just gonna put so much more pressure on healthcare organizations, traditional ones, to do more around patient engagement and patient experience. So I think that's gonna be a topic in 2024, but it's more of a reluctant topic. They're gonna be forced into it because of things happening in the other spaces.
0: Yeah, I saw the Amazon announcement as a nothing announcement, Mike. Okay. (laughs) Although it's interesting, you look at Amazon's revenue streams, it's actually the cloud and then it's advertising and then it's products, right? And you look at that, and you're like, okay, so they they have this big advertising engine. And so could they use their advertising engine to promote healthcare services? Yeah. So it's going to be successful because they have this massive advertising engine, otherwise known as Amazon.com at the you know at the base. Let alone that they emailed me about it, right? So you know, I, I think it, it could be successful. But I don't think it's going to dent anything in healthcare. So. To me, I don't know, I'm a little skeptical on how that's going to impact it, but you're right. I don't think that experience for a patient is going to change that dramatically. But it will be interesting to see, will value-based care finally kick in? I think we're still two to three years out for that. But if value-based care kicked in quicker, then maybe we'd have more of a conversation.
1: So next question, John. Will patient expectations and patient needs be improved in 2024? Are we going to make any significant strides at all next year?
0: I mean, I think we'll see pockets of it, right? So I think we'll see pockets of, of innovation. And that's been the problem with healthcare when it comes to patient engagement, is that it's not evenly distributed. There's some health systems that are doing incredible work to make an incredible experience for their patients. And there's some that don't need to. <laughs> <laughs> if you're in, in you know, a, an area where there's not a lot of competition, you got a four-month waitlist, you don't have to. So... I think that's going to be problematic to actually improving the patient experience. But I think we'll see some pockets. And I think we actually may see a turning point for things like online self-scheduling patient reminders, for access to patient data, I think some of that may turn a corner in 2024. So, you know, information blocking is helping some of that as well, right? So this pushing forward, kind of this open notes principle that we had, uh, you know, so I think some of that we'll see. But when it comes to the actual navigating the care of it, I don't see many improvements.
1: (laughs) I'm completely opposite. I think we're actually going to make some good strides in, in patient experience. But like you said, Uh, maybe in certain pockets. Um, I think, for example, that with all the work being put into using AI and large language models, I think we're going to see an improvement in the quality of communications with patients. Uh, Because I think it's so easy now to just, hey, instead of the standard mechanical reminder that you get or the instructions, throw that through a large language model, improve that, turn it in, translate it into the language of the patient, and then send it. I think we're going to see an improvement in the quality of communications. And I, and I think we've already seen some studies that show the AI-generated uh, letters coming from supposedly the physician sound way better than the actual <laughs> ones from physicians. So I think that trend will continue. I also think that we're finally going to make some strides in more evenly distributed uh, self-scheduling because right now it's lumpy. I think it's very easy uh, to schedule things like a family doctor visit or uh, a checkup or things like that. But as you get into more complex care, it's, it's still phone the call center. So I think we're going to see more and more people move as, as they clean up their own processes and, and make sure they have the provider directories and stuff. And, and the one area I think also that we're going to see some improvement is actually around uh, remote patient monitoring and care. I think mm. we're going to finally crack the nut uh, in 2024 around, okay, like, what is this really going to be useful for? When are we going to have and use that data? And we're going to finally have, oh, this is actually a pretty smooth experience of you taking home these devices and using them at the house. Uh, I think that's going to happen in 2024.
0: Interesting. That would be a better patient experience <laughs> if they could <can> crack that <laughs> nut, right? You bring up an interesting question, though. Will large language models and AI associated with it, like will Doctor chat GPT, right, like, or or the other ways it's being implemented, this generative AI, is that really going to improve the patient experience? Uh, you know, you gave some examples, right? Like the letters are better. That that's interesting. You know, and I look at it from a you know, a patient perspective, they are going to ask ChatGPT, not Dr. Google. You know, I saw someone recently comment, like, how different the experience is asking Alexa or Google, right? Like, tell me this answer versus ChatGPT. I think it was actually uh, Mr. H from his talks that said that, you know, and you look at that and you're like, that is true, right? And and why aren't those incorporated into it? Because it would change that whole experience. But, you know, you look at that Will that change it? You know, I, I've seen it even where people take their medical record, throw it into ChatGPT. Not HIPAA compliant, by the way. Just, <laughs> but, but, for, but for some people, they don't care. Or maybe it's just the patient information they received. You know, the education sheet they receive from their their doctor, they throw that in chat chat GPT and say, what does this mean? Give me a summary. And, like, that creates a better patient experience as well. So, I mean, I can see some arguments there. And, obviously, if Ambient Clinical Voice is successful and the doctor can focus on the patient, that'll improve the patient experience better. But I don't know. What do you think as far as AI and LLMs?
1: I I think – so, I think – we're still far away from from ai being the you know the science fiction version where right. you know you're interacting with it and it's giving you a diagnosis and and all that kind of stuff i think we're kind of nipping at the edges uh, where i see real application for ai and where i see the improvement is actually in translation uh, a, not a lot of organizations can afford real time translation it's expensive to get documents translated but now with AI tools, you can very, very easily translate something into another language. It's no longer an excuse, right? It's so cheap. So now, instead of waiting for that letter or that education to be translated, you can do it yourself, essentially. And I think that just improves experience for people who are non uh, English speakers. So I think that's going to be like a big difference because we've seen it. We, we, you know, we both saw it at the clinical works user conferences that we've been to and the, the how they're incorporating AI into what they're doing. We've seen it obviously with, with, uh, with folks like from Epic that are doing similar things. I've seen it as well. Uh, people like Kairos and others are, are just using these kinds of technologies to make that Uh, meeting the patients where they are better in terms of at least the language. So I don't think it's going to be like where you're gonna be interacting with the doctor through a ChatGPT like interface. But I do think that, you know, throwing the documents and throwing that kind of stuff through ChatGPT just gonna be much better, much nicer, more empathetic uh, communication from your provider.
0: Yeah, I just saw the demo from Lexmark where they scanned in the document that was an English language document and it spit out a printed version of the Spanish version of that document, like put over, it lost a little bit of formatting, but from, you know, who cares, right? right. If the words are right, then you, you accomplish what you need to. So that was an interesting similar example of using the AI, the translation, et cetera, to be able to solve some of those problems. Which is great because the beauty of AI is in many cases, it scales to a hundred languages, like hundreds of languages. So, you know, even your call service, right, that does the language translation often that can't do that. So yeah, that's an interesting example.
1: Hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Healthcare IT Today with my partner, John Lin and Colin Hung. We're doing our 2024 predictions for health IT and We're trying to make sure we aren't as bad as last year, so hopefully we're more (laughs) more on the mark. Today's episode is brought to you by Sway Health Live. The conference is happening May 6th to 9th in Atlanta, Georgia, at the W Hotel in downtown Atlanta, wonderful place. We're looking forward to gathering all the healthcare marketers, whether you're at a provider organization or whether you work in health IT. Come on down to our conference. You can find out more information at sway.health, that's sway with two A's, .health slash events. So what else is next on tap for us in 2024, John?
0: Yeah. So, you know, as I look at it, like, let's look at what companies Mm. we think are going to surprise us with something cool and innovative in in 2024. I mean, when I look at that, I'm like, hmm. There's a lot of options, right? Uh, and I actually think that probably the most innovative things are going to be like a combination of companies. Sure. You know, like I don't know what Verado and Clear are going to do with identity. That's fascinating to think about, right? <laughs> you know, and you know, identity management is such a problem in healthcare. But I'm actually looking at those that drive patient behavior. Mm. I'm thinking about Upfront Healthcare who I met with recently and, and some of the work they're doing to drive it or even Lumion with their patient flows, right, and ensuring the patient's flowing to the right place at the right time. Like, companies like that I think are positioned well to really make an impact on the patient and ensure that they're getting the care that they need, and changing that experience. So I'll be interested to see what they do. And when you look at what they're doing and what's possible with AI, it's making all of that more possible and easier to implement. And so I I think those types of companies are going to be really interesting.
1: I'm going to go with the safe bet because I want to bat 1,000 next year. (laughs) Um, I think the company that we're going to see the most of, and it's going to be surprising, but in a sort of expected way, if you will, I and mean, it's sort of a contradiction in terms, but but I think is is uh, Microsoft nuance. Mm. I, I think just next year, we're gonna finally hear all these wonderful stories and innovations happening with their DAX system, with Ambient Clinical Voice. I mean, every conference I go to, I'm running into more and more people who are using it in real situations and beyond the pilots now. And everyone is just like, wow! I can't believe what it's being able to do. It's and now I'm starting to train it so that it can uh, it can behave the way I want it to in, in terms of mixing uh, discrete fields of information along with uh, just the regular notes. So. I'm predicting that uh, we're going to hear a lot more from our friends at Microsoft, the Nuance, uh, in 2024.
0: It's interesting. I thought you were doing the safe prediction, so you were going to go with Epic. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, too. You know, which, interestingly enough, I was talking to someone, and they were giving me a little back behind the scenes of what's happening at Epic. And I think that's, I heard someone say, you know, of course, I didn't verify this, so take it with a grain of salt, but they said that Epic has 100 different generative AI projects happening right now. I don't doubt it. And no doubt they should, right? Like if I were in their shoes, I'd have 300, right? <laughs> like I'd have as many as you could think up, right? And and it's it's their MO, right? To not announce it until it's, you know, working properly. And so I think that's interesting to see, you know, that, hey, they're investing in this in a big way. They have the money. They have the resources to do that. Can they execute that? You know, they have the user base if they can execute it. So, you know, maybe that is actually a safe bet. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, I think also we're going to hear a lot more uh, from companies that are entering in from the marketing side. This is a more of a, of a Sway Health kind of a prediction, but... But I think we're going to finally see some movement in healthcare-based CRMs. Um, Mm. And I think the reason for that is because of the personalization side of communication that I think is going to be needed now. So in order to do that, I need more information about the patients themselves that go beyond their clinical stuff that's in the EHR. And there isn't a natural place to hold that. Now, funny enough, Epic is working on something through their Cheers product that, that offers this. I think Salesforce may come back into this world and kind of go, hey, like you want a patient CRM, this is where we can really uh, make a go of it. And I think there are other ones that are more specific. We know Loyal has sort of some things uh, that are baked into this kind of space. And I think that's going to be an area where I'm going to be surprised, pleasantly surprised, as we hear more and more people adopting those types of solutions and the innovation happening in that particular area.
0: Interesting. I'll throw another one out there. And I would say this is more in like the hospital room. Mm, okay. And I think it could be a mixture of different vendors. I mean, I just saw, I think it's called Artisite, if I remember the name right, with Stephanie Lar, who used to be at Monument Health as CIO. She's now over there as president. And, you know, a company like that, that's combining uh, computer vision with sensors... With a camera in every room, she predicted that on our CIO podcast. So, you know, in our in our interview with her, she said that there's going to be a camera in every in every exam room. And you think about, okay, what does that enable? Because it is the computer vision to know is there fall risk, is there movement? How, you know, now even you know we see with uh, I think it's Neurologics, right, that uses that camera to know their heart rate and other you know other biometric signals. You know, when you look at that and the innovation that's happening there, making the bed smart. With sensors, computer vision, camera, which can also do virtual nursing, virtual rounding, telehealth types of mm-hmm. things, I think the way that someone's going to package all that together is going to be really beautiful, and it's going to be important. And I think that's the reason they're going to probably have a breakout is because of all the staff shortages. They need these solutions so that they, the nurses and doctors, can be more efficient.
1: One thing I wish, John, is uh, I, I'm hoping that we finally see some uh, news around uh, wearables. Again, and, and now that the sensors have gotten better, and you know, hopefully we've gone past now the, the hype phase and into something that's more interesting. I'm hoping, uh, not predicting, but hoping for uh, some better news on that front as we get more into remote patient monitoring, as more people start to accept this kind of data. Anyway, I'm hoping for that in 2024.
0: Yeah, I'm about to get a circular ring. We'll see. You know, they they have a, they, they're sending this. Uh, we'll be demoing out and seeing. And it is interesting. They're they're getting more medically relevant. So hopefully that fits your need. <laughs>
1: so this, this is where I struck out last year completely uh, to go, keep going on with this baseball analogy. What do you think is going to happen on the mergers and acquisitions front? Uh, are there any major ones that you're going to predict or there maybe an area that you think there's going to be a lot of activity in 2024?
0: Yeah. So I think one area that I'm looking at is what's going to happen with the EHR vendors and Ambient Clinical Voice vendors. Mm. Are they going to chomp them up? Because the, in many ways the ambulant clinical voice, if it's successful, becomes the interface for the doctor. Right. And if that's the case, if I'm an EHR vendor, I want to have that interface. Right now, I am the interface. Right. And so, do I want to give that up, or would I? Should I just go acquire someone? There's some obviously complexities, right? Because if you chop someone up and they're you know doing it for your competitor, how does that play out? You know, does that ruin that business? You know, but maybe you want to do that to damage your competitor. So. I don't know exactly how that's gonna play out, but I'm really interested to see if someone does go and acquire one of these ambient voice vendors that's an EHR vendor that has a bunch of cash.
1: That's interesting, I, I, I'm totally with you on that. I. I... I think that it's a natural progression of where people and how people are integrating these ambulatory voice systems into their EHR. I think also there are some people that are uh, inventing their own or, or you know basing it on some of the products from other people. So I think they're OEMing some folks already, but it'll be interesting. I, I think definitely we're going to see some movement in that space. For me, I think I'm I'm looking at mergers and acquisition more in a space around uh, the whole self-scheduling bit. I just think there's so many components here, from patient identity to provider directories to the actual interface that's on the website uh, to all of the uh, spidering that has to go on into all the different source systems to figure out what if, what appointments are available. Right now, all of these things don't happen together. There, there's a couple of companies that are trying to do this, but there's a lot of different systems. Where, where I have my provider directory is not where I'm going to serve it up in, in terms of uh, on the website. So I'm predicting that companies are going to finally, you know, buy each other or merge together to create a more comprehensive self-scheduling solution uh, for the market.
0: Interesting. Well, and it's interesting. Like Zocdoc came out with their free one, right, and heard that free, and we'll see how that all evolves. But you know, I, another area that I'm looking at is the analytics side. Mm. You know, with all this data. Data's gold, but the more data, the better, right? And so I'm interested to see, you know, what does health catalyst do, right? What is, you know, even Komodo Health, who has all this data, will the IQVIAs and that come to play in this space as well? Uh, you know all these data analytic vendors we even have all these initiatives where providers are coming together with their data to, to offer something you know will those roll off on their own will they sell it to someone else you know i, I think i don't know exactly who's going to buy who but I, you know it feels like there's enough data challenges there and people who've aggregated it and worked on certain problems, they should roll it up into one solution and, you know, and be able to provide all of those data solutions to a vendor or just have extra data to be able to solve the problem better.
1: One of the, one of the areas that I'm wondering if we're going to see some, merge, some acquisitions is, you know, did HIMSS kick off a trend? You know, are we going to actually see more uh, associations, more organizations who have a conference mm-hmm. uh, sell that uh, to somebody to run it for them uh, and manage that? Because let's be honest, I think the days of the conference being a large revenue generator for these associations are, are gone. It's just so hard, especially in the current economic environment, to generate a lot of profit from running an event. I think it serves a different purpose. I mean, it's still educational, still all that stuff, but the actual running of the event um, You know, is that something that an association should really be doing? I wonder if what HIMSS did, if we were going to see more of that in 2024, where organizations just kind of go, you know what? We still have to have one, but let us run the education, and we'll let somebody else deal with all of the uh, vendors and the exhibit hall and the sponsorships and all of that yeah. kind of stuff.
0: That's interesting. I mean, Inform is hungry, so uh <laughs> <laughs> we know that, right? <laughs> they, they like to acquire, and it makes sense. Uh, you know, that's their business model and their approach. Uh, You know, it is interesting to think about the associations and kind of their influence uh, because we've seen the growth of the user conference, I I think. Maybe it's because we've become so dependent on the EHR and the other IT systems that we use. You know, even in the marketing space, a lot of these marketing user conferences and stuff are, are pretty effective. And they're great because when you go to them, it's all your peers. Right. Like the signal is really high Whereas when you go to a generic health IT conference, like you know, you might run into payers and you might run into pharma, and you're like, eh, it's kind of interesting, it's good, and it gets me out there. You know, occasionally it's a fun conversation, but usually you want to find your peers. And at user conferences, the 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 signal is so high because there's so many of your peers there. That's right.
1: That's right. Yeah. I mean, that's you, you hit the nail on the head there. Right. I don't think we're going to see anything on that side of the fence for sure on the user conferences, but I think the larger conferences, I think that's why they're suffering a little bit. I think people are reevaluating the value of them. Uh, So John, any any last M&A predictions you have?
0: You know, one area that we've seen happening for a while is the RCM. Mm. The revenue cycle ones are doing it. So that's actually, you know, going back to the last question. Two big companies that could come together as two big RCM vendors. Mm, yeah. Like there, there's some interesting antitrust questions there, you know, because they're almost to that size where that becomes a question. But you can see if i'm a hospital or health system i only want one rcm vendor to do all my accounts receivable my low balances my yep. <laughs> you know like and then have the ai solutions to do a lot of the things you're going to need a certain scale to be able to do that effectively probably and they'll just chomp up all the promising ai solutions and package it or they'll buy each other you know to really create that that Center of mass, if you will, around it. So we've been seeing that happen for a while now. But I, you know, I could see a couple of the really big guys just coming together and being like, "Hey, let's combine."
1: Yeah, I mean, it can't be only 3M in the space, right? Like, it's got to be other people in the RCM space. I'm also wondering whether or not uh, the banks are still going to sit on the sidelines. You know, for years, I think people have been like, "Why aren't they getting into the, the space? Why aren't they owning some of these RCM companies?" Maybe we'll see some of that movement in 2024.
0: Yeah, is that a conflict for them? I don't know. They are be. in the space as far as wanting to be involved and they've acquired some things because of the debts and different things that they, they own for you know, the different organizations. But yeah, that would be interesting to see.
1: Well, you just think about the efficient experience alone it would be so much smoother if I know my, you know, the bank was that I'm with is actually doing the billing as well. I mean, would they
0: be able to bridge that gap?
1: Who knows, but <laughs> we'll see. Hey, but thanks to all of you who tuned in to this episode of Healthcare IT Today. To find out more information about our program, go check out the program's page on healthcarenowradio.com. And please engage with us at the, and the community at healthcareittoday.com and on social media using the hashtag HITSM. I'm Colin Hung along with my Health IT collaborator, John Lin. Thanks for listening